The Antidote is here with David Menzel, guitarist of We Are The City. David, thanks for meeting up with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Now, i got to know something really important here. Why does Vancouver deserve warm weather while the rest of the country is freezing their butts? Well, I mean, we're freezing too. This is cold for us. I mean, 7, 8 degrees, 16 degrees, that's cold for us. You guys are maybe used to, you know, minus 20 or, or whatever it is, but this is cold. This is really cold. Gosh, it means you actually have to put on a, a windbreaker. Yeah, well, today my windbreaker got soaked, and, uh, and so that was a big problem. I, didn't even, I don't even have any warmer clothes than that. <laughs> but it's, it's the wet cold. I mean, it can be double digits here, but wet, and it's, it feels like it's double negative digits. Okay, but let's get on a serious topic. How about filling us in about the band members of We Are The City and how you guys came to get together? Okay, uh, so we have there's three of us: um, Kane, myself, David, and uh, Andy, Andrew. And uh, Kane plays keyboards and uh, he sings. I play guitar and Andy plays drums. And uh, so it's just a tight knit group of guys. Uh, I met Kane in elementary school, and then we met Andy in high school. And uh, you know, the three of us are really close and. It's been a while. We've been together for like eight years now or something. So That has been a while. Yeah. Especially when you're starting at that age. So, okay, when you guys met, you were doing music at that point or just as friends? Uh, me and Kane met, well, we were too young to be doing anything. I mean, we, we were in grade three, I think, when Kane and I met. So <laughs> um, apart from like singing a little bit of Linkin Park together, just like in, an, in the schoolyard, uh, we didn't do any any music um, until we hit like grade eight or grade nine, and we started jamming and spending some time writing. And then we met Andy, and I mean, we auditioned him. As lame as it sounds, he was just the only option, really. And it was a good thing we got him because he's the best part of the band now. But I mean, ever since then, it's all been about the music. And so, yeah, we've been doing music since we were fifteen, and we're all twenty-five now. So. So 10 years, I guess. You mentioned that Andy's the best part of the band. Why is Andy the best part of the band? Uh, Andy is the best part of the band because he, uh, he's got all the energy. He's the best and worst looking, which in, in a band, that's kind of like the coolest thing. I mean, he's just a little more of what you want to see. He's a little bit crazier all the time, and he's a, a great drummer. So he's probably better at his instrument than me and Kane are at our instrument. And he's more energetic. That's, that, that's a lot of reasons right there. And he does those crazy weird drummer faces. Yeah, I mean, every drummer's got to do it. They do. It's required. Part of yeah. the job description. Yeah, it's like a bass player moving his head. It's like they have to look like chickens. And, <laughs> and that's why we don't have one, because they just always look bad. You guys throw me a bit, because I love to squeeze bands into a set genre. Say, okay, yeah, these guys fit this genre. But that's not the case with We Are The City. Because you guys are sort of indie rock, sort of pop, sort of experimental. I've even seen you guys described as prog rock. But how do you define the sound of We Are The City? Um, really, we, we have a hard time with this question. and It's something that you should be good at answering. But we really don't know how to answer it. I, I don't want that to sound pretentious. But we try to make music that we haven't really heard um and it's it's hard to classify it i i think 
uh, progressive indie rock is is usually what I say, and I and that's just because it, you know most people kind of okay like indie rock okay I like you know Arcade Fire is indie rock okay, and then progressive it's like okay so it's not quite so commercial, and I I guess that's a good place to start, but really hopefully we we make music that we can't really define, and that's kind of the goal for us is to be making something new that people can also grab hold of and and enjoy and something that's unique. So you're just trying to shake up the masses. Uh yeah, or or maybe just the few. I mean, it's kind of whatever. We're kind of thinking about that secondary like that's not our priority is to play for a lot of people. It's just kind of to hopefully play for as many people who want to hear it. You know, even if that's only a few people, that's okay as long as we're able to do it. You guys have been independent up until recently, but you mentioned just a moment ago about signing up with Tooth & Nail, but you also signed up with a European label. You're not selling out to the corporate machine, are you? No. Uh, if <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny that you say that, because labels are such a funny thing. We have been independent mostly. I mean, we were with a Canadian label for about a year, out of Hamilton, actually, called Hidden Pony. And uh, that ended, and yeah, we signed with a Canadian label, and an American label and a European label. And that sounds worse than it is. Um, now with the way that the music business is, or that the way that people are just adapting to a, a lack of business kind of is by saying that, you know, you should try to do everything yourself and, and you don't need labels. And it's a conversation that could last forever. Um, but for us, it can get a little bit busy, you know, when you're on the road and you have a lot of admin stuff you got to get to, or you have a lot of different things um, that take up your time. And for three of us, sometimes we just don't have the time. So it's really important for us to work with people that are, are passionate about the music and the partnerships we found with the three different labels we're signed to are really strong partnerships. And some we know better than others, but there's a lot of excitement there and passion and um, a love for music. So it's so being signed to a label sounds like a big business corporate thing, but really it's just you know a few different organizations, some bigger than others, that just love music and, and want to you know, get it out there. I guess we should actually talk about your music, shouldn't we? Yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> your sound has changed from the early days. I mean, your first full-length. A Quiet World was quite mellow in comparison to your 2011 EP High School, you know, which had more of an edge to it. And now you've got a whole different sound on your latest release, Violent. Yeah, it's really just just like a person grows up, you know, you kind of grow together. And uh, in A Quiet World was, you know, some of those songs Kane had written since he was, you know, in grade eight. And some of them me and him just worked on and then we added drums to and some of them we're newer, like it's just so, it's not cohesive at all. That that record, I mean, the last time I listened to it, I thought to myself, like, I'm, I'm glad we did this because for me it's really nostalgic and I, I think that there's, you know, it really captures where we were at. But listening back to it now, it's, it's like a totally different band. And uh, when people come to the merch table at the end of a night and they ask what CD to buy, I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of just there and eventually it won't be there and we won't reorder them and that'll be great that seems to be almost universal for every band and they're embarrassed by their first <laughs> yeah we're not embarrassed by it but it's just not a good representation of us anymore 
you guys released Violent in 2013 here in Canada, but now here it is two years later and you're re-releasing the album. So why do that? Uh, we're doing that because we're actually releasing it for the first time in Europe and really the first legitimate release uh, in the United States, Australia and New Zealand. So it's coming out in Canada again uh, because we're packaging it with B-sides, which are a couple songs that we recorded for the record, but we just never put on. Ah, okay. Um, and it just it just seemed like, you know, might as well give that to people. The internet's a funny thing, right? If you release something um, like we're releasing it, you know, in the rest of the world, Canadians are going to see that. So we might as well just package it again and send a few to Canada with, with some extra material. And when is the new release date? Um, <laughs> it's March 20-something. I should know this. I should know this, Dave. It has to be a Tuesday because that's required. Right. Is that New Music Tuesday or something? Is that what that is? That's why. It's just everybody all releases an album on a Tuesday. So it's going to come out on March 24th. Let's say March 20 Tuesday. <laughs> Whatever, wherever the Tuesday yeah, lands. That's it. So it's going to be March 24th. I just pulled up a calendar. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> Got the same release date in Europe also? I believe they release, oh man, they release one day different in the UK from Europe. And I think that's also one day different from the States. I feel like it's the 23rd in Europe. We have to find out the reasoning for Tuesdays. Yeah. <laughs> A little internet search. Yeah, someone's like, Mondays are, you know, they're kind of boring and everyone's depressed. But Tuesdays, you need to pick me up. So you throw some new music at them. Well, let's talk about the album, Violent. The album really does have some dark undertones, but seriously, isn't the title a little bit of a misnomer? I mean, saying violent, it makes it sound like it's all rough and dangerous. Yeah, that was a, that was a tough one for me. Like, when we were throwing around the idea of calling it violent, I was like, guys, we're not a metal band. It just <laughs> suits, it just suits like something really heavy and something aggressive, which the album isn't aggressive. I mean, maybe it has parts. It's not. And then we we were kind of looking deeper at the word, and Andy and Kane sold me on it by kind of giving me the contrast, which is what we were trying to do with that record. And, um, you know, we were trying to make soft parts and heavy parts in the same song and trying to do something that was aggressive and peaceful at the same time. So we liked the idea of calling it violent because it's the idea that Maybe you don't hear this said, but someone could describe something as violently beautiful. You know, you can make that kind of contrast with it. So we, we went there, and I think it's interesting because if you look at the cover and you hear the songs, it doesn't sound violent, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's what it is. And why choose a dark tone for the album? Was that just where you were at at that moment, or was that intentional? It really was. I mean... I didn't have my hands lyrically on the whole album. You know, a couple songs in particular. Kane, I think we were all at, at a place where violent was appropriate in our lives at, at that point. I mean, there had been so much change and, you know, we'd been growing up. And I think violent matched the scenery and the ambience of, you know, the atmosphere of how we wrote it. It's a fitting name in that, in that way. To me, really, the highlight of violent is the song Baptism. What about filling us in about the development of that song? Um, well, that song started, as many of our songs do, it started completely musically. Like It, it started with a drum beat, actually. Um, 
which is interesting because the drum beat is, you know, acoustic drums that we cut up or that Andy cut up. And I think it was actually, if I'm remembering it right, it was a bit of a mistake the way he cut it, but it, it worked out. You know, it was a loop that kind of um, cut together in a funny way. And then we built off that. It's also a good example of violent, you know, that, that contrast. Because the drums are, are quite aggressive, and the end of the song is quite aggressive, but the rest of the instrumentation I, I find very um, not aggressive at all. It's, it's really synths that really are uplifting, um, and I find the melody, you know, Kane did a great job. You know, the, the harmonies, everything is just, it's kind of a beautiful piece on top of something that's a little bit messy and a little bit aggressive and a little bit not right, which, it, which I'm talking about, the drums. It's true because the drums are slightly out of sync with the song itself. But yeah, that's an attention getter. That grabs your attention at the start of the song. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. <laughs> Did for me. You're good. I'm glad. So what about the topic of the song? Yeah, um, really, to be totally honest, that song, it really just came out of Kane. Um, I, I think it suits violence so well because it's it's really something that we have a hard time talking about we don't even really know how to explain it very well it's just something kane would have to answer i can't really answer that for him unfortunately i didn't have a, as much of a part lyrically in that song as i would have liked to but that was for the best because i think kane did something great and it it's a powerful song like as cliche as it sounds or as silly as it sounds we played that song not that long ago kane stopped singing at one point point and me and andy kept singing and after the show i was kind of like dude what's wrong with you why'd you stop singing you know, don't just stop singing. And he had to stop just because it was an emotional experience for him. You know, it was... No. So, yeah, I'd, I'd have to leave that question for Kane because I don't want to say something worse than what it actually is or, <laughs> you know. Okay, then what about you personally, David? Is there one of the songs that speaks more to you than Baptism? Yeah, well, you know, they all do in different ways. For our band, it's been like... A lot of the time, we wonder if we should be an instrumental band because... Sometimes we'll write a song and there'll be no lyrics, there'll be no melody, and it will be just as impactful. You know, when, when we used to write songs when we were younger, we almost just threw in oohs and ahs because there was probably supposed to be singing. And it, we never really thought about like, oh, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, and never thought about like the making something that would actually work on radio because that's what you know, you do if you want to make money or if that's what you do if you want to be successful. So for us, um, it's not just lyrically, it's also musically that that really grabs us. But there's a bunch of songs. You know, King David is a song that speaks to me. It's, it's not about David from the Bible. It's We have, you know, a song called King Andy and then a B-side, which is called King Cain. <laughs> and this is your song, King David. Yeah. Again, Cain wrote it, but he took some stuff from it that was a part of my life you know not easy subject matter but there's a lyric in there that he says you know david am i going to hell that came from a time when i was at a bar and having a drink and this lady came up to me and i i didn't know her very well but she just told me like david i'm going to kill myself tonight and am i going to go to hell and it was a pretty intense question for me and so it was uh it was therapeutic to have Kane put it in there. What about when you're writing lyrics? I mean, the members of We Are The City are Christians, but how much of faith finds its way into your music? Um, 
it's all about that really. And I mean, it's all about the struggle too. I, I wouldn't necessarily, uh, you know, speak for Andy and Kane's place right now. Like I, we all have our own relationship with God and who exactly God is. You know, we all have our own theology and it's always a conversation for us. So, you know, we, we don't label ourselves as a Christian band and signing to Tooth and Nail. There's been conversations there where we've talked about how, you know, we probably shouldn't play any Christian festivals, things like that, just because we're not there. Um, but when we started writing, we made it a rule, you know, we weren't going to write about girls. <laughs> and I think that uh, all that was really left for us to write about, because we're all pretty serious guys, although we like to make jokes, um, all that was really left was about this idea of God and uh, loving people. There's sadder things to write about than girls, and there's happier things to write about than girls. So that's good. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, it's all about that. I mean, it's there's no fluff in there. There's no filler. And if there's, you know, if there is a spot in a song where there's just a lot of music and no singing, it's because, you know, there wasn't much more to say. <laughs> Well, because some of your songs do run to some length. Yeah. You know, five, six minutes. So that is fine. Yeah. Understandable. We got to talk about something that's also really big for you guys is that Violent has also become a feature film and directed by your drummer, Andy. Yeah. So Violent was voted Best Canadian Film and Best BC Film at the Vancouver Film Festival. Oh, it was what? Official selection at a few international film festivals, and it was chosen for Canada's top 10 film festival at uh, Toronto's TIFF Lightbox. That's quite a thing. Yeah, it's, it's really unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, we've been close friends. I mean, when we moved to Vancouver from Kelowna, uh, we lived with our manager, but also um, Andy's cousin and his brother in a house and there they have a production company called amazing factory and they've done all of our music videos so we've really grown together you know loving film loving music and every night for years we would talk about film or we would talk about music or we'd be filming something or you know film has been something that's very dear to all of us but especially to Andy um, and he directed it and the fact that it's won so many awards and is continuing to do things like, I mean, Andy just left for France tonight for a film festival. We had to Whitehorse next Wednesday for a film festival that we also play at. It just continues to go. It's really just crazy and overwhelming. <laughs> but is the film violent really a representation of your album? Um, they were written at the same time. Um, they have very similar themes. When we started to work on it, you know, the idea was that it would be an insanely long music video. And then it progressed from there to, you know, being a feature length, you know, actually being about a separate story with similar themes. And it went from actually having our songs in it from Violent, the record, to just having a score with some of the same stems, but almost a completely different score, which we'll be releasing in the next, you know, eight months or whatever. But they're standalone pieces, um, but I'd say that they're they're connected. They're siblings. Okay, for you guys scoring the film, how different was that compared to actually recording an album? Uh, well, like I said, there was a lot of stems that we used, but it was a whole lot of work. I mean, Kane deserves almost all the credit. 
he spent a lot of nights and a lot of time in a studio just uh, crafting it and uh, making it more atmospherical, making parts last longer. You know, it just become something totally different for us. It's not really the same just to sit down and watch a scene and write a song to it. It's almost like you're writing a mood. You don't think about, you know, where the song is going to take someone because, you know, you have the images there and there's a storyline there. So it's more important to just fit what needs to happen. Really, it's a whole different beast. Well, Kate, to carry on with something like that, is there really a correlation between music and film? Or, like, does one transcend the other? This is a really interesting conversation because uh, the three of us and the uh, other two from the production company that we partnered up with just got back from a writer's retreat where we started working on a treatment for the next film. And it's a really interesting conversation because music and film both tell stories and they're both art and they both come from a place where almost the only way to um, describe these feelings is to put them into a film or to put them into an album. But it's so funny now because you almost can't have one without the other. You know, music now is consumed all these different streaming services but a lot of the time you just have people going to youtube and watching music videos even lyric videos you hear of a band it's like you type it into youtube and check out the lyric video and it's almost like people need images um to help them listen to music now and it's hard for people to just listen to music without doing anything else you know you're either driving or you're cooking dinner or whatever you're doing so film is a little different because it takes up your time unless you're watching something that's a waste of time like you know, mall cop or something. <laughs> but they're similar, but film definitely grabs people. You know, someone will sit down and watch a film and give it the respect it needs, where that's not happening as much with music anymore. I hope that answers your question. No, it does. I'm not as equally interested in film as I am in music. Music takes precedence, but film really interests me. Yeah, that's, that's the same for me too. I mean, I love being a part of this and telling a story and working with these guys is, is such a, an amazing opportunity because they're so talented and having a place there, I, I'm just incredibly lucky. But, you know, nothing out there can communicate as well to me as music. Well, it's often, it's so short, it's concise, it has to be pointed. It can't vary from a single track. You know, it's focused. While film can have a broader spectrum and have a flow to it. Yeah. Anyway. Just my thought. Yeah, that's cool. You know, the thing I'm most curious about with the film Violet is you guys didn't shoot it in Canada. You went to Norway and you actually filmed it in Norwegian. Why not just do it the easy route and stay at home? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> there it is. I don't know. To be honest, I did stay home. I took the easy way out. Um, the whole thing started, we were, we were jamming one day and trying to figure out how we were going to outdo what we did for the last EP, which was high school. And we had a video for each song. And it was kind of like, uh, you know, it's like a 30-minute montage. And it's, it's a really interesting, I, I'm allowed to pump it up because I, I wasn't in the band at that point. I was on a break. And so it's really interesting and really well done. So we're jamming, we're writing Violent, the record, and we're wondering, what can we do? And so we threw the idea of their like huge music video. And then, you know, I was like, whoa, what if it was a feature length film? And oh, what if we shot it, you know, in a different country? And like, oh, wow, what if we, 
did this and what if it was a foreign film and it just kept going to this place where all of a sudden it was like we all throw out so many ideas that it, you almost can't come back from that it's not like you've thrown out all these amazing ideas and now you're like you know what we should do we should just settle and make it in Canada and have it be easy and we'll make it in a language we can understand so it was almost like once those ideas went out there it's just we couldn't back down you just jacked it up to a whole higher level that's right. And then you just, you can't walk away from it. You just have to do it. <laughs> okay. So back to music. I've got to admit, there's one song in the album that throws me and I can't figure it out. Punch my face. Mm-hmm. It's got that one tone that just plays constantly. Yeah. Until it makes my head start spinning around on itself. Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah. Why do that? Yeah. I don't know. It's another one I don't know about. <laughs> It's what we did that we won't really do again. It's not that we regret doing things like that. You know, on the next record, whatever that is and whenever that is, um, why we did that on Violent was we wanted to experiment with tones and with the idea of not quite getting to a note. And that's probably why it irks you a little bit is because it never quite gets to the right note before it changes again. It never hits completion. Yeah, it just never resolves. It just... Even the tone itself, it's kind of like, it's almost something you're pleasing, but it's just not. And it's, um, it is definitely on purpose that we did that. And it's kind of leaving it open to interpretation. But, but my take on it is that, you know, there are things in life that just aren't quite right. And it's almost there. And I, I mean, I don't know why we felt we should leave that song, you know, specifically with that message. You know, there's some serious subject matter in it. Um, but we just did it. It just felt right. It, it just was kind of a haunting way to leave the record. I'm going to take something completely out of context here, but the opening lyrics to Franz Hertz say, my home videos won't mean a thing in 50 years. That day will come and all I've done rendered forgotten. Mm-hmm. So what will we or the city need to do to not be forgotten? Uh, I don't know. It's that's, it's uh, that's too much pressure. <laughs> I'm messing with your head tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- something like that. It's almost like you have to you have to be okay being forgotten. I think that's the problem with so many things now is people feel like they need to leave their mark. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great. I mean, I hope that people remember me, but to be honest, you probably won't, and you probably won't care about We Are the City. You know, like your kids probably won't listen to. It. I mean, it'd be great if they did. That'd be awesome. Uh, for obvious reasons, but, you know, I think you have to be okay with letting go and just dust and ashes. You know, you're you're just dust in the wind. That's probably a lyric. <laughs> I think I've heard that, yeah. Isn't wasn't yeah, his name uh, yeah. Kerry Livgren? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was when he was searching for faith, and he did find it. Hey, I mean, they, they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, depending on what your religious views are, like my religious views don't necessarily like from what I get from what Jesus said, it's not necessarily saying that you're going to be remembered, (laughs) (laughs) that you have to leave your mark. It's kind of saying like your time is a little bit insignificant and do what you can to join the cause. Do what you can to be, you know, faithful while you're here. And that's more important than trying to leave a mark, you know, trying to build up this empire and then hope that people remember it, you know, you know, make a lot of money. That's, I don't get that from what Jesus said, that's for sure. 
but at least you can make enough of an impact that people are actually going to go and buy violent. <laughs> that would be great. Well, at least while I'm here, that would be amazing, yeah. And where do people actually find We Are the City, and where do they get to buy a copy of Violent? Um, you can buy it, hopefully, in stores uh, when the record comes out, March 24th. Thank you, Dave. You can buy it in stores on vinyl or CD if you still consume music like that, if you're still like my mom, <laughs> and, uh, or digitally. And that's probably where all of you will go. And if you want to listen to it on a streaming service, that's awesome. Tell a friend. That would be nice. The antidote has been here with David of We Are The City. Man, it's been great meeting with you. And best of luck with both the new album and new film, Violent. Thank you so much. I mean, this has been a great interview. Thanks for taking the time to, to ask the questions.